Hey everybody, um, our scripture reading this morning is going to be in Hebrews chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12. So I'll give you a quick second to turn there, otherwise we'll, uh, we'll have the passage up on the screen for you too. So Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God, to their own harm, and holding him up to contempt. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Praise God for his word. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you digitally, Facebook, YouTube Live. Thanks for tuning in. I just want to say as we dig into the Word of God together, we love you. We miss you. We can't wait to see you again. And we are trusting God, fervently praying. And it is just on my heart a lot as a pastor, even in this last week, that I miss you guys. And I, and I want to see you again. And I know that Many of you want to see one another, and uh, if you are in need of encouragement this morning, you can give me a sofa amen right now. You can do that. It's okay. And uh, we love you. Let's pray together and seek the Lord, and we, well, I, I'm going to pray that God will make his word come alive in our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your word, which comes out of your mouth. It's able to save that which is lost, and encourage those believers who know you. And Lord, I'm asking that you would do that supernatural work, that your word would settle deep within our hearts. And Lord, that we might receive encouragement from you. Lord, there's no question in my mind, many are in need of deep levels of encouragement. Lord, and I'm asking that you would bring that by the power of Jesus Christ, Jesus, thank you for being risen from the dead and giving us hope and living inside of our hearts. Communicate your hope to us now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we all need coaches in our life. Coaching is a massive blessing. Um, I know as an athlete, as a former athlete now, I've had many coaches in my life at many different stages of, of playing athletics. And 
coaches are super important. Coaches are amazing. Coaches pour courage into the, the lives and the, the attitudes of their players. And I've been a coach. I've worked with lots of coaches as a chaplain with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Coaches are vital to society. Can I get a sofa? Amen. Coaches are vital to our society. And I would argue this morning that spiritual coaches are just as vital, if not more vital, to our communities and our neighborhoods. We all need coaches in our lives. We need people that are pouring into us uh, because we need encouragement. We need exhortation to keep hoping. That's why we need coaches in our lives to help tell us to keep hoping in God, uh, to not give up. Coaches help athletes persevere. Um, Let me be your spiritual coach this morning, if I could, for a few moments. Let me bring some encouragement and some exhortation into your life. Let me help you persevere in hope. Here's the hope-giving truth I want to lead off the message with. Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He is alive this morning. Can I get a sofa? Amen. I don't care how bad your week has been. I don't care how much you're missing other people. Christ is alive. How do I know that? He's alive in me and he's alive in you. If you know Jesus, he's alive in us. And no quarantine, no shutdown can change that reality that Jesus is alive. This truth fuels our hope. Uh, He's alive and we persevere. He's alive and our home is now in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. If we know Christ personally through repentance and faith, our citizenship is in glory. Jesus is alive and we have promises to inherit. You can see this in in our passage this morning in verse 12, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We have promises to inherit, church. Every believer in Christ who has Jesus alive inside of them has promises to inherit this morning. Jesus is alive, and we persevere to our heavenly home. I was reminded even this week that we are like Christian in the story Pilgrim's Progress. We are persevering from one area to another area, from the city of destruction to the celestial city. That's our journey. That's your journey. That's my journey this morning. We're all on the same journey together, and we persevere in that journey because we have the hope of heaven. Every believer watching this sermon this morning, I want you to know that this world is not your home. Can I get a sofa? Amen. You're going to get a brand new sofa in heaven, and it's going to be a lot better than the one you're sitting on right now. We have a home to go to. It's the celestial city. It's where Jesus rules and reigns, and there are no quarantines in heaven. Praise God. We are like Christian, not there yet, but on the journey there. And we persevere because hope 
is Jesus. The resurrected Jesus inside our hearts and someday in front of our faces. Jesus is alive and we do our spiritual workouts to that end. He's alive and his resurrection changes everything, changes our lives. It gives us hope that our workouts are not in vain. You know, all those spiritual workouts you're doing in prayer and in the word, you want to know that you're not wasting your time. The hope of resurrection is the reality. It's the thing inside of us that keeps us reading the word, keeps us persevering in hard times. Spurgeon said it the best. He said, the saints prove their conversion by their perseverance. And that perseverance comes from a continual supply of divine grace. We persevere because divine grace is being poured into our souls. How do you keep going in quarantine? You keep going by the grace of God pouring into your heart and mind, giving you hope. Now, if you're like me, you're a believer, you know Jesus, but at times you want to slack off. Can I get a sofa amen for that? Sometimes you want to slack off. Sometimes you want to go along with the world. Sometimes you want to give in to sin. Sometimes you want to stop fighting the good fight of faith. Join the group. The author's call in the, to the Hebrew church in this passage of Scripture is to work out spiritually. You can see that in chapter 5, verse 14. Those who have their powers of discernment trained. That word trained means to work out in a gymnasium, to get a sweat going. And, and in chapter 6, verse 11, the author of Hebrews says, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. The author of Hebrews is encouraging a struggling church to find their hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's encouraging them to work out to that end. Because the church at that time was wondering, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it to follow Jesus in the midst of all the trials and tribulations and the persecutions and the difficulties? Is Jesus really worth what I had to leave? And the author of Hebrews is like a good coach coming up alongside of his athlete and saying, it's worth it. Hold on. Don't let go. Finish the race. That's the heart of the passage this morning. You know, there's an important stage in every athletic contest. I know everybody's wanting to see sports, this pastor being one. And I know you're really excited about really dumb sports things right now, like cornhole on ESPN. Are you kidding me? Like they're doing live cornhole. And, and they're also doing things like everybody's super excited for what big athletic event today the Chicago Bulls documentary tonight on ESPN. That's the closest thing we're getting to sports. But listen, in every live sports contest, there is a time when the athlete gets tired and wants to quit. In basketball and football, it's the third quarter. In baseball and softball, it might be the fourth inning. In golf, it's hole number 15. 
And in track and field, if you're running the mile four times around the track, it's that third lap, that's the worst lap. You just want to be done, but you're not done yet. The stage of being tired is where we find the Hebrew church. And and the author of Hebrews is like a spiritual coach talking to his athletes, saying, don't give up. Keep laying hold of the hope of the finish line. So this morning, we're going to see in this text three ways we can fight the weariness that we feel and lay hold of the hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Way number one is listen to your coach. How do you find hope? Hope. How do you lay hold of hope? You listen to your coach. Verses 9 through 11, the author of Hebrews says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. That's a great coach's speech. The author of Hebrews say, we desire. We desire that each one of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope. The word desire there means to lust or to covet. So what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's saying, we lust for you. We desire for you. We're passionate that you don't fall into this this sluggishness. We want you to have the full assurance of hope to the end. I love that. You feel the love and the care of the author of Hebrews for this church. He's lusting that they would would keep going in their love for Christ and their walk with Jesus and their love for the word. He's lusting for them. He is saying, I care so much about you. Church, I can relate to this verse so much right now. I lust for you. I I, I desire you to keep walking with Jesus, even though I can't see you. I can't just do all the ministry things that we are normally accustomed to doing. And there is this pastoral kind of weight and burden and desire that I feel for you to not quit. Don't quit in your Christian life. Don't stop loving the word. Don't stop praying. Love Jesus. Finish well. I have this desire inside of me. Many of you have that desire for one another, which I love about our church. Small group leaders, fellow members of our church, regular attenders of our church, visitors of our church that are Christians. I know that there is something awesome going on in our church right now because there is a desire I see from one believer to the other believer to say, don't quit. Some of you have coaches right now, spiritual disciples in your life that are pouring into you and are telling you, don't quit, don't quit, keep going. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. We need to tell each other that. Don't quit. 
continue to push forward with earnestness. You can see that word in verse 11. Show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope to the end. The word earnestness there means to have haste or to strive toward. So, so what the author of Hebrews is saying is he's like, I want you, I have this desire for you that you have this full assurance. I want you to have an earnestness about you. Keep running at 100% towards the hope you have in Christ. Don't give up. Don't let the quarantine move you to give up. Don't let you know, the, the COVID-19 virus encourage you to give up. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep praying. Keep pursuing it. Um, if you're running track, which nobody is right now, if you're running track and you're running the mile and you're on that third lap and you want to quit, you want to give up, your coach comes to you as you're running around the track and they say, keep your form. Keep your arms tight and engaged. Lift your knees. Run to the finish line. That's what we need to hear. We don't want to hear that. Athletes who are tired running around the track, they want to say, I can't do it. I can't. I want to just pass out on the side of the track. I want to be done. And a good coach says, I see your struggle. You can do this. You can make it. Keep doing the fundamental things you've always done. You've practiced these things hundreds of thousands of times. Do those things. Get to the finish line. If you want to lay hold of hope this morning, listen to your coaches. Listen to this coach in Hebrews 6 and find your hope in the resurrected Jesus. Way number two is to not flirt with danger, to not flirt with danger. So not only do we need to listen to our coaches, but we need to not flirt with danger. The author of Hebrews lays down four of the most sharp verses in the entire Bible, and especially in the New Testament. These could be the harshest verses in the entire letter of Hebrews, In verse 4 through 8, the author of Hebrews says, For it's impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the age to come, it it is impossible having then fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying again the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. And he goes on in verse 7 and 8. But the author launches into this hypothetical situation. It's a warning. And he's illustrating someone who quits the race. A track runner who just steps off the track and says, I'm done. Someone who doesn't persevere. Many people have read this passage and it's become a stumbling block to them because people read the passage and they say or they believe that you can lose your salvation. People say, well, this obviously proves that you can lose your salvation. Okay? The author of Hebrews here is not arguing that anyone can lose their salvation. Hear me clearly. That, losing your salvation, is an impossibility. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, 
Jesus said it very clearly that, that no one who he saves will be able to snatch the person who's been saved out of the hands of Jesus. No one can be snatched away. And Jesus said, my father who is greater than all, is, he will hold them double-fisted around my grip and no one will be able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. It is impossible because many, many other passages on top of John 10 argue that you can't lose your salvation once you have it. It's important. What the author of Hebrews is saying is he's saying that anyone who professes Jesus with their mouth and doesn't persevere in faith or in hope shows or gives evidence that he or she was never saved in the first place. Um, There are false believers in the church, believe it or not. There are sheep and goats There are wheat and tares. There are true believers and false believers all within the same gathering. The angels, according to Jesus in Matthew 13, 49, the angels will actually sift out at the end of the age who is genuinely saved and who is not. It's not our job. Okay, church, a practical application of verses four through eight is not for you to go around your neighborhood or your small group pointing to someone saying, I think you're a false Christian. Not a good idea. We do not approve that, okay? That's Jesus's job. That's the angel's job. At the end of the age, all of these things will be made clear. But you need to understand that there are false believers false professors who come into the church and along with the gathering, they say, amen. Sofa, amen. I could have unbelievers giving me sofa amens this morning. That can happen. There are people, according to these verses, that have tasted the heavenly gift. They have tasted the good powers of the word of God. These people have come to gatherings in Christ and they've said, that's good stuff right there. I really enjoyed that service. I really enjoyed that sermon. I really enjoyed that music. That was really good stuff. I I love this church. I love what they're doing in the community. All of that and never know Jesus personally. Jesus talked about false believers in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. These, These could be the most scary verses in the Gospels. Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. True believers don't flirt with danger. True believers don't flirt with the dangerous sin that exists in this world, in them, and from Satan himself. Genuine believers don't see how close they can get to the world and still be a Christian. Genuine believers look at the truth of the gospel and they say, I need to be like an athlete 
who doesn't even consider quitting. I need to consider Jesus and hitting that finish line. Genuine believers, they don't even allow the association of quitting to enter into their brain. Genuine believers work out what God has worked into them through Christ's resurrection. Genuine believers think Jesus, morning, noon, and night, Jesus at the end of my life, Jesus when I get ready to die, Jesus is my expectation of this next life. Genuine believers aren't concerned about everything that's going on in the world. They're most concerned about how can I please Jesus and know Jesus and walk with Jesus and someday be resurrected with Jesus. doesn't mean you're perfect. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect in this. I'm saying the pursuit of your heart, if you know the resurrected king, is to spend time with him. In all of your imperfection, in all of your sin, you love him, you want him, your hope is in him. Genuine believers listen to their coaches and they see the finish line ahead. Paul said it this way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he said, I worked harder than all of them. Everybody around me, I'm working harder as a Christian than everybody else that I know. Yet it was not I, but Christ at work within me. Paul said it the best. It's Jesus and his grace pouring into my life, and I work hard and I focus on Christ. You want to have hope in this life? You want to have genuine hope that you can tangibly touch and feel and live out? Don't flirt with danger. Some of you Christians are flirting with some dangerous things right now. And I would encourage you as a spiritual coach, I would tell you, run away. Run away from whatever sin you're thinking about doing. Whatever thing you're thinking about, don't quit the race that you entered into. The resurrected Jesus is worth it. Way number three, how are we going to find hope? The third way is to embrace passionate patience. This is in verse 12. Passionate patience. So that you may be not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The author of Hebrews says that believers lay hold of hope through passionate patience. The word faith there in verse 12 is connected back to verse 11 to the earnestness of the full assurance of hope. So you lay hold of hope and have full assurance of hope through faith. How does hope work its way out in your life? Through faith. You believe. Okay, and when you believe, that's zeal, that's passion, that's, that's desire, right? And then it says that you have to inherit the promises through faith and patience. Don't you love the Bible? The Bible is so great because it combines seemingly weird opposites together. To walk by faith, to embrace passionate patience and to have hope means that you walk by faith, which is passion, and then you walk by patience. Passion and patience. 
What a crazy marriage, right? Because getting fired up, and then waiting, sitting and waiting, those two ideas are rarely, if ever, put together in the experience of the human life. But this is exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, your faith is a combination of zeal for Jesus and the ability to wait. Is there a better message for us to receive this morning as Christians under quarantine than to say, get fired up for Jesus and wait. (laughs) Get fired up and sit on your couch. When, When I first got saved, when I first became a Christian, it was one of the things that I could not put together in my mind. I'm 17, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm 20 years old, I'm drinking in the Bible in mass quantities, I'm loving the resurrected Jesus, I feel his resurrection power inside of me, and I have almost no patience, right? Because everybody needs to get saved yesterday. Everybody needs to know Jesus like today, right now, you got to do it now. And I remember as a young man, full of zeal, full of energy, I stood in awe of the old guys in my church at prayer meeting. I would go to prayer meeting and there was three or four guys that just were pillars of faith. They knew the word of God. They loved Jesus. And I would sit in the prayer meetings with them and I would just sit in awe of them as they humbled themselves before God and submitted themselves to God in prayer and said, Lord, whatever you want, we are willing to wait. And I, I looked at them with awe because I knew I didn't have that kind of patience. If you want to inherit the hope of Jesus Christ, you got to get fired up for the resurrected Jesus and his work and his, his final pulling us into heaven. And you also have to realize you're going to need patience in the journey. It's going to take a while. It's not all going to happen at once. Not all of your desires get to happen right now. You can love Christ, but you have to wait on Christ. Isn't that where we're at? We love Jesus. We want him to come back. We had to wait on him. Like every other Old Testament saint who has ever lived, the Old Testament is filled with stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all of these incredible men and women of God who loved God, followed God, were passionate about God, and they had to wait for God. Abraham had to wait more than 20 years for the birth of Isaac. Moses had to wait for 40 years in the wilderness before he was called by God to lead Israel out of Egypt. Every single person who God has used mightily makes them have faith and then wait. Church, if you want hope this morning, have patience. Jesus is alive in your heart. He is alive and well, and he is in heaven waiting for his second coming, but you need to wait. There's some things in this life you need to wait on. You've been impatient. You've been demanding of Jesus, and you need to back off. You need to wait on him. Can I get a sofa amen? Waiting on him. 
We need to wait on him as a church. This quarantine is hard for everybody involved and we all just want to go and resume normalcy. And Jesus is saying, wait. And we need to change our attitudes and say, Lord, let's wait. Let's wait for you. Whatever you want. That's what I want. That's how we inherit the promises. We see Jesus and we wait. As we close, church, I want to encourage you once again that the resurrected Jesus is alive and we persevere in hope. Listen to your coaches. Listen to those men and women in your life who are bringing you the word of God. Listen to this word and listen to your mentors. And if you don't have a mentor, get a mentor. Get someone to disciple you. This word is what we need. We need coaches and we need to listen to them. Don't flirt with danger. Don't flirt with sin and Satan and this world. Do not flirt with the dangers that are potentially there to steal your hope. And finally, embrace passionate patience. Get fired up about Jesus' resurrection and then be patient. Wait for him. Jesus will come. Jesus will get us out of this quarantine. Jesus will cause this virus to be delivered. Jesus will do it. We must wait for him. Let's wait for him this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time and your word. God, what a privilege it is to persevere in hope. Jesus, we see you resurrected from the dead and we we feel alive knowing that that is our home in heaven, knowing that that is our hope for today. But Jesus, we wait on you now. We beg you for the grace to be poured out upon us so that we might persevere in hope. Encourage our hearts today. Lord, encourage our church. Encourage every member, every regular tender, every visitor, every single person who's streaming right now. Encourage every person to find their hope in Jesus alone. Save people, Lord, from their sins. Cause believers to be encouraged. Lord, our hearts just cry out to you right now. We just cry out to you. Because our hearts are broken, and yet, Lord, we're hopeful. God, minister to many needs right now. Just all over the community, all over the South Side, and Carlisle, and Norwalk, and Indianola, and every single other place where this service is being streamed. May hope just be poured out. Jesus, do it now. Do it now. We pray. Infiltrate our minds and our hearts. Help us not to waste this day, God, but to redeem it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.